I want to begin by thanking the worship team. Thank you, you did a good job leading us in the start of this worship service. Um, have you ever noticed that sometimes being a Christian will feel like a fight? The punches, the jabs, and the hooks, they will all come in the form of obstacles, challenges, and failures. Part of our life will be engaged in a spiritual defense. Yet, if we stay firm and remain in that ring, fighting, at the end of each round, when that bell goes, ding, 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 we all will be standing. Fellow fighters, can you think of a time when the enemy tried to knock you down? Do you remember who your toughest opponent was? Most often, our toughest opponent is the devil. And this morning, I have a question for you. How do you resist a supernatural roaring lion? Because evidently, this is the experience we all have to face in one way or another. And we have to know precisely how to fight based on biblical principles. And this morning, we'll be looking for that ans the answer to that question, digging around the, the scripture that Sally has just read, First Peter chapter 5. We'll begin with verse 7 and we'll make our way to verse 10. Let us pray. So Father, we know that we have a great enemy, supernatural and much stronger than we are by nature. And yet, you have called us to fight him and battle with him, resisting him and having victory over him. This morning, I ask you that you come and teach us how to do that. Amen. Let's read that scripture again. First Peter 5, 7. Verse 7 says, cast all your worries, your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And even as I begin, I want to acknowledge maybe some of us in our midst this morning. Last year, as people, as the year was ending, most people were celebrating the end of the year. And for you, you couldn't wait for that year to end because of the pain, the punches, the failures that you are going through. Don't let the devil deceive you. God cares for you and for me. And that's a promise that we can stand on. Verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the family of believers all around the world are going through the same kind of suffering. Sorry, I'm paraphrasing some of those, so I'm not saying the exact words. See, we note here that clearly the writer of this book, this portion of the scripture that we are reading, is telling us, warning us to be alert and of sober mind. The enemy is after us. He's prowling around. He's like a lion trying to look for food. Very destructive. He's murderous. He's a liar. And he's seeking to terrify us. His aim is not to scare us, to, 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 to sneak up on us. His aim 
is to scare the faith out of us. The scripture we've just read tells us, resist him. That's the first way we will answer that question. We have to stand firm in the faith. Because your faith is what he is after. Don't let your faith waver. He wants to destroy your faith. And that does not mean that he's going to kill us. It simply means that the devil, he just wants to turn us into a group of unbelievers so we can join him in the destruction. We have to stand firm. And the faith he talks about does not require any kind of special abilities, talent, color, size, or height. That faith is a simple childlike confidence in the promise of God. And like we've seen the promise of God in that scripture, verse 10, God promises that at the end of it all, after we have suffered a little while, he's going to come back for each one of us and he is going to strengthen us. He's going to refresh our strength and he's going to make us steadfast. That simply means we have to choose to remain faithful even when there's no visible finish line or any sign of relief. We have to bear with the discomfort that comes in trusting what we can't see. That does not mean that we are taking a risk. It simply means we are stretching and strengthening our faith. Do you struggle with trusting God sometimes? I want you to think about learning a new skill. It will require to go, to go to the next level. It will require to go through some kind of discomfort. And yet, if you persist with patience and endurance, you will begin to realize and notice the little progress that will come with that. The second way we'll be trying to answer that question is by looking at verse uh, 9 when he says, Stand firm knowing the same kind of suffering that you're going through. There are so many brothers and sisters around the world like you who are experiencing the same trials and temptations. And I don't think that it says that to gross over our pain. I think the reason is bringing that up in, this, in, the, in his writing is to remind us that we are not being singled out. It's to remind us that there, there is the devil who is after us, that is trying to deceive us, that God has forgotten about us, and our life is going to end. Don't allow the devil to di divert you from the promises of God. Let me tell you a story of three young men whose faith was really stretched. The story is found in the book of Daniel, chapter 3. It's a story of three young men looking at the very site. They were going to die. An order had gone out. They were to be tied up and thrown into a fire, heated up seven times more than how they usually did. Everyone looking and standing by knew this was an execution. This is what happened to anyone that disobeyed the king. And just before they were to be thrown in the fire, they were given a chance to change their decision and save their lives. They said no. Why? 
the King Nebuchadnezzar set up a 90-foot high statue in the middle of the city. And at various times in the day, he commanded his people to bow down and worship. And out of the entire nation, we are given only three names of men who had the courage to stand against the decision of the, de the, 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 the king. And because of that courage, hey Malachi, and because of that courage, Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego were going to die. We see the king, Nebuchadnezzar, when he had their insubordination, he summoned them, called them to his office, and talked to them privately in a friendly way, giving them a choice not to go the way they were going. This is how they answered him. We don't have to answer you in this matter, O King Nebuchadnezzar. Our God, whom we serve, will deliver us. But if not, let it be known to you, we are not going to bow down and worship the idol. And the king that talked to them in a friendly way, the Bible says right about that time, his attitude towards them changed because he wanted them to do what he wanted and he wanted his people not to follow their insubordination. So he commanded his soldiers, they threw them in the fire and we all know that these boys were delivered by God, unharmed. The scripture says that you couldn't even tell by smelling their clothes that they've been in the pit of fire. Even their hair, none of the hair on their head even flinched. But perhaps the most amazing thing about this guy's story is their unwavering faith in an unseen God. Their faith and courage in God led them to face death. How do we get that faith? And what is that faith? The Bible defines faith as the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Also, the Bible says that faith is a gift from God. And this faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. A.W. Tozer. I don't know if you've heard about him, but I love reading his books. He talks about faith and he says, faith is the gaze of a soul upon a looking God. So when we look at God, he's not just looking away. He's looking at us in our trials. And like I said, his promise says he cares for you and he's coming back. Paul also writes about faith. And when Paul writes about faith, he relates faith to a shield. In his letter to the Ephesians, after he summarized the Gospels for them, his last instructions said, Finally, be strong. We'll read, that's from Ephesians 6, 10 to 17. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God to take your stand against the devil's schemes. About the shield, Paul writes, in addition to that, take up the shield of faith. Because this will help you extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one. 
See, up until now, Paul's description of the armor of God was limited to things that we wear. We put on the shoes. We put on the breastplate, the belt of truth, the helmet. And all these things hold themselves up. See, the shield of faith is different. The shield is not something we put on. Just by striping, strapping the shield on your hand doesn't do you any good. You have to take up and use it to stop the arrows from hitting you. And so the, the shield that Paul talks about in this verse, I did a bit of study about that, was also known as a scatum. I think it's a Roman Greek word. And the scatum was, the, the shield called the scatum was as big as a doorway. And it could, it was used to cover the entire body of the soldier. And soldiers didn't just use that shield to, protect, to defend themselves. They also used it as a weapon to push their, their opponents down. The soldiers also did something to the shields every morning. They watered them and oiled them because the actual flaming arrows, the enemies had arrows that they would dip in fire and aim to them. And because they dipped their shields in oil and water, the arrows would go out of flames. Also, the soldiers learned how to lift the shield because a shield that is as big as a door and you're going to carry it in war, you have to exercise the muscles to be able to carry it and use it. And so the soldiers used that shield to help them defeat the enemies. Why did Paul associate the shield of faith, the shield to faith? I think because faith, just as the shield, protects you from physical wars and trials. Our faith protects us spiritually in the middle of physical trials. Think about the story we just read of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the devil, through King Nebuchadnezzar, attacked them, this is how they answered him. We are not going to bow down because God is capable. Their beliefs and their values were under scrutiny by the king. They could have easily given up and saved their lives. They were only young. But they, pick, they picked up their shield of faith and guarded themselves against the evil one. Also, the, the faith as a shield will also deflect the, the, the arrows, the, the arrows that uh, the devil is throwing at us. The devil is always throwing fiery darts of fear, doubt, worry in our direction. But the only time we can, those arrows can hit us is when we let our shields down. They will take us out. Remember the story of Peter when he saw Jesus walking on water? He had faith and he walked on water. But as, as he did, he began to lose sight of Jesus. His faith weakened. And as he did that, he started to sink. And Jesus answered him in an amazing way. Because you would have thought Jesus would have panicked and said, I need to save this guy right now. But Jesus being Jesus, just screamed at him and said, 
you of little faith. So we need to work on our faith and use it to deflect the arrows. The other reason why I think Paul associated the shield of faith, uh, the faith through the shield, is faith is our first defense. The rest of the armor of God will help us protect ourselves. But ideally, you wouldn't want to go to war and your first part of protection is your helmet or your, your chest because you've covered it. You wouldn't want to uh, swing the arrows that are aimed at you using your chest or your head. You want something else. Because if you did that, I don't think you'll survive lots of them. Most of them will get right into your head. So you need the shield of faith as your first defense. See, what the devil is trying to do is to weaken that. And once your faith goes, you turn into a group of dis, uh, disbelievers who are going to be destructive. How do we maintain our faith? Very simple ways. Ways we can maintain our faith is um, just like the soldiers oiled their faith, we can read the word of God. We read that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Never let yourself be in a position where you can't hear the word of God. Set aside times that you can actually dig into the word of God and understand. The other way is finding a group of friends. Don't just find friends. It's good to have friends that you have a cup of coffee with. But you also need friends that can challenge you with the word of God, that you can discuss with and understand what the word of God means. And the other way is what we are doing right now, coming to church in a group of believers. See, the Roman soldiers did something when they went to war with their shields. They put them together to form a bigger unit. And when we come to church and we have a group of friends around us, we have a unit that the devil can't penetrate. And most people these days think church is not important. I can go, to, I can go home and listen to the sermon on my, my laptop. And that's good. I've learned a lot from that. But nothing compares to how much I learn, how much, how much I get from coming to church. My wife and I are blessed to be here because this church is helping us grow as a young family. And for me specifically as a father, I know it's a safe place for me. And even as I end, I want to tell you a story of a former NBA basketball player. His name is Walter Ray Allen. Has anyone ever heard of him? Have you heard of Michael Jordan? He played the same game that Michael Jordan played. Ray Allen was a two-time champion in the NBA. He has a record of being the best shooter of three-pointers in the playoff in the NBA seasons. Last year, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame of basketballers. And in his speech, as he was talking, he said when, they won the, when he won his first championship, all he wanted to do is to leave the court, go home, have a shower, catch up with his friends, maybe have a beer and celebrate. But then he says right there, it hit him. He knew that he did win the championship that night. 
He said, I won my championship days before that night when we picked up our gear, our shoes, the basketballs, and hit the gym and started training. That's when we won the championship. Is there any area in your life this morning that you need to resist the enemy? Because trust me, he's coming for us. And we can't wait when he comes for us to start fighting. We need to make a resolution today that when that day comes, we'll be ready for him. So choose to wage war in that area that you need to resist the devil this morning. Have it fixed that in the teeth of your trials, your faith in God will not weaken but increase because that is how we defeat a supernatural roaring lion. Good morning, everyone.